This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Welcome, Elevate. We have been in our series, the Little Black Book series, on on marriage and dating and sex and what is love and everything else. And it's been, I, I love the series. And I hope that it's begun to plant seeds in your minds of what love actually is. I kind of hope it's ruined society's understanding of love for you. And we've talked about the differences between men and women. We've talked about uh, the different steps of dating according to kind of godly principles. And remember, like, there's a whole bunch of filter steps. Like, by the time you get to an exclusive relationship, you should have weeded out, like, most everyone. Tonight is our last night in this series. And tonight we are changing gears a little bit. Whereas we've been talking about what, are biblical, what, are, what is biblical wisdom before marriage, Tonight, we're actually ending the series on biblical wisdom after you're married and how you can start looking towards that now, how you can plant seeds for that now, how you can begin preparing and planning and uh, grooming how you think now. And so turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, if you remember the second week of the series called Waffles and Spaghetti. We talked about how men and women are created different. We have different giftings, but those, two, those different giftings work together to show a clearer puzzle of who God is. And tonight we're kind of revisiting that and revisiting it in the context of marriage a little bit. And I kind of want to just kind of tell on Jackie and I, so I want to make fun of ourselves a little bit. Uh, we were married just a, maybe a few years and... I have a love for camping, hiking, rock climbing, kayaking, anything outdoors, you know, where you may fall off something or be eaten by something, like that's me. I'm, I'm in for that. And so, I, you know, you, you kind of bring your love and passions to wherever God has you in ministry. And so I took our youth group on a backpacking, rock climbing, camping trip. And we went to this place called Horseshoe Lake in um, Arkansas, up in the Ozarks. And the idea was I would drop off most everyone and three leaders at the trailhead. Then I would take the bus and one student and I would come to the trail's exit so that they would hike into the camp spot. And instead of hiking back up the trail they came down, they could hike out a new direction and see new territory. Does that kind of make sense? It's sort of integral to the story. So I laid out the map for my wife. Now, some backstory is that my wife had actually been on this trail before uh, with another camp. So she knew the trail. She knew where it was supposed to end up. But I'd learned that there was a waterfall. And if she took a certain left-hand turn, she could take the group to a waterfall and cross a river in a certain place. And my plan was, I will meet you on the other side of the river. We'll wave at each other. You guys will cross the river and we'll set up camp. What a great idea. So I gave her the map, I wished her bon voyage, and I took the bus and our other student to the other side of the trail. Now, we hiked in, I don't know, four or five miles into the camp spot, and we're like, oh, they're not here yet. Okay, so we're looking around, we're waiting, and the sun starts going down. 
this is not good. I have nine teenagers and three leaders lost in the Ozark somewhere. So we crossed the river where they're supposed to cross, so now we're wet, and then we're hiking back up their trail, up mountains, and we hiked almost all the way to the trailhead and never found my wife and other people's kids. So we looked back from the top of the mountain, and there are, there are two little specks glowing in the distance. There are campfires far, far away in the darkness. And we we're like, maybe one of them is our people. I mean, I had like an Eagle Scout as one of the leaders hiking with them. Like somebody knows what to do. Their problem is they have the pots and pans and I have the food. So wherever they are, they're hungry. So we hiked all the way back down. So now we've done this trail two and a half times. We are exhausted. We're wiped out. We're running from banjo music. Like it's time to find our group. And we crossed the river again and finally came up on our group. And there was shouts of joy and cheering and stomach growls and a kid threw a sleeping bag over a fire and excitement. And it was awesome. And that night, my wife and I retreated to our little tent and we had the most rage quiet argument of our marriage. We whispered anger at each other. She just, if she would have just did what I told her to do. And at the same time, she is now leading a group by herself in the woods, relying on what she knows is best. And so I have no sympathy. And we're clashing in the middle of the Ozarks. If that kind of helps set up our theme a little bit, I'd like to challenge you that men and women also think differently in every situation. And we also have different needs. And God wired men, husbands, to meet their wives' needs. And God wired wives to meet their, their husbands' needs in this beautiful thing called marriage. So we're right here at Ephesians chapter 5. And every week I've asked you the same question over and over again. And you're going to get it again tonight. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always hoped for. And if you haven't started thinking about what kind of marriage you're hoping for, then you absolutely need to not date or have crushes or get into any sort of romantic involvement because you have no coordinates, you have no direction, no GPS heading. Starting to think about this could change how you act now so you, because you're planning for the future. So tonight's question, are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to love and respect selflessly? Are you willing to be selfless in giving love? Are you willing to be selfless in giving respect? So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 31. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this, this opening verse right here, let a man leave his father and mother, Paul is reaching all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 2. God creates man, and he creates woman, and they have this, this covenant under God, and he says this line right here, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So he's looking all the way back to the beginning, this beautiful thing called marriage. Men and women are, are built and created with irreplaceable gifts to meet each other's needs. 
So look at this, Ephesians 5.33, let each one of you, talking to husbands, love his wife as himself. So both men and women need love, but love seems to be the deepest need of a wife. She needs to feel affection and importance. She needs to feel protected and provided for. She wants to know that she has been chosen and that she holds someone's heart. Now, remember from week two of the series that women are like spaghetti, right? Every, every thought, emotion uh, touches every other thought and emotion in their, in their brains. Whenever she feels love, whenever she feels connected to her husband, that satisfaction is going to connect to every other emotion and memory and need and problem-solving situation of the day. She is going to go forward in her day with every situation being colored by the love of her husband. It changes things for her. Then the second half says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Both men and women need respect, but respect seems to be the deepest need of a husband, of a man. He needs to feel affirmation for his abilities and his character. He wants to know that she believes in his adequacy and in his ability to handle life enough to follow him. Remember, he's a waffle head. He compartmentalizes everything. He has one box at a time. And when he feels respected, he feels successful. And he carries that feeling of, I can pull this off into every problem-solving box that he gets in during his day. There was once a poll done of 400 men. Get this. 74% of men said that they would rather feel alone and unloved than feel inadequate and disrespected. It is a deep need in us, men, to feel that we can handle the problem at hand and that someone believes in us to take charge with it. Now, the beauty is that God made this for unity because when a man gives his love, her natural reaction is to respond with respect. And when a wife gives her respect, his natural reaction is to love her with everything that he is. Now, when this need is being met, we feel energized about life. We feel excited about the relationship. And what's so cool is that when the husband is loving and the wife is respecting and the husband is loving and the, and the wife is respecting, it creates this energizing cycle and it just builds up power. And there seems to be no end when both of them are willing to selflessly give them themselves in love and respect, there seems to be no end to this thing. It just builds power and strength and foundation. And the great news is that this can push through some of the most painful and difficult times in your marriage, and you will have painful and difficult times. But there's a danger, and this danger is the root of so many divorces that when a man begins to act without love, her natural reaction is to withhold Respect. And when a wife acts without respect, his natural reaction is to, is to withhold love. And so what happens now is that both of them begin to retreat to selfishness, to self-protection, and this creates a crazy cycle. And the more that she doesn't respect her husband, the more he withholds love, and the more he withholds love, the more she doesn't respect him, and it creates a screeching halt. And there's a danger here. There is an end to this. It does spiral downwards into destruction. And this is the crazy cycle. 
And one of, one of the things that I, I want to just push for you guys tonight, that I want to plant a seed in your mind for the long distance future, is you, you're going to have to break the crazy cycle. Someone is going to have to do it. Someone's going to have to step up and say, I'm going to love when I don't feel respected. I'm going to respect when I don't feel loved. Someone has to stop the spinning wheel to begin to move it the other direction into the energizing cycle. So how do we do it? So let's back up to verse 21 and see what Paul offers us. Verse 22, and he speaks first to the wives. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body is himself its savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So what unites the church with Christ is that the church submits to the leadership of Jesus Christ. And how do wives promote unity in their marriage? How do they respect? They submit to their husbands. This is how wives break the crazy cycle and propel the energizing cycle. But husbands, you're not getting off easy. Let's read what Paul says to husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So what unites Christ with the church is that Jesus sacrificed himself for his people. How do husbands build unity in marriage? How do they give love? Husbands sacrifice for their wives. This is how a husband breaks the crazy cycle and begins to spin the energizing cycle. Wives are called to submit and allow their husbands to lead. This is her primary way of showing respect. Husbands are to sacrifice and give up his personal desires for her sake, for his family's sake. And this is his primary way of showing love. And both are going to take painful selflessness. What are you willing to do to have the marriage you've always wanted? Are you willing to give love and respect? And check out the benefit. Let's go back to verse 31 down at the bottom. He says, therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. If you were to go back to where Paul is quoting from in Genesis chapter 2, it says this exact same thing. They become one flesh. And then verse 24 says, And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. And that's the best marriage that you can have. One that is shameless, that is completely transparent, where you're completely known and they're completely known. There's no baggage, there's no barriers, there's no walls. It's just sweet Unity, And that's what God has called marriages to be like. And then secondly, the purpose of a marriage is not only fulfillment for his people and this huge gift for his people, but the second purpose is that a marriage, a godly marriage, shows off God's love for his church through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his church's response in obeying him. When people come to the house 
where you and your spouse live, it may be the closest to church they've ever been. When they see a husband who sacrifices for a wife and a wife who honors her husband. When they see a husband saying, no, I'm putting you over myself. And a wife saying, I'm coming in behind you for what God has on your life. Future wives, I'm challenging you to submit to God by submitting to your husbands. And future husbands, I'm challenging you to submit to God by sacrificing for your wives. So we'll go in the same order that Paul tackles this. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We have a really politically correct culture, a really feminist-driven culture, and there's a big fear that if someone was to obey God here, if a wife is to obey God in verse 22 of chapter 5, that they'll just be a doormat. And that is not the picture that we get here at all. This is not a picture of a selfish husband who is trying to run over someone. It is, this word right here for submit is not a word that, de, that denotes a greater and a lesser. It's actually a verb, which means that she is making a conscious choice to submit. This is not the subjugation of a wife. This is a wife saying, I am making a conscious choice to let my husband lead. In fact, the, the word here, the Greek word, Submit is the same word that it says Jesus did to the Father. Jesus, who is equal with the Father, submitted to the Father. What, so if marital submission does not become a doormat, what is marital submission? It's a choice to receive and affirm a husband's leadership. Submission, under a mission. Listen to this, girls. This is so good. To, become, to come under a mission. The purpose of a Christian woman getting married isn't to get her way or live her life for herself. It's joining the mission that God has for her family, the mission her husband is called to follow the Lord in. And there's not going to be any unity of mission as long as there is a two-headed marriage. Any two-headed monster isn't going to thrive. Honoring your future husband's leadership is creating unity. Women of God, as you're growing up from a girl to a woman of God, if you're not ready to be under a mission, you're not ready for a man of God yet. You just want a little boy that gives you what you want. But I challenge you to live for something greater than yourself, to come under a mission. Now, I'll give you two disclaimers. First, girls, you are not called to submit to just any boy. God calls you to submit to your parents he calls you to submit to himself. He calls you to submit to your governing authorities. But you have no role or command of submission to any boyfriend. Not until you say, I do, is he your husband. And secondly, you are not called to submit to abuse. You have a voice. You have the power to draw lines of what is unacceptable. And I hope that you'll have the wisdom in your dating filter that we talked about at extent to weed out any chance of that happening. But if not, don't dare tolerate it. So who to look for? Future wives, present girls who are looking towards the marriage you've always wanted. Who do you look for? And I've, got a ch I've got two challenges for you. Look for a man who serves Jesus and a man who serves like Jesus. 
Colossians 11.3, or 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So you need to know who this man serves before you ever get involved with him. If he doesn't serve Jesus, you don't want to be under his leadership. Why? Because if he's under the leadership of Jesus, then he'll act like Jesus. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 20, 25 through 28? His, his disciples are arguing about who's the best in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus shuts them down and he says, he says this, you know that the rulers of the unsaved people, they lord over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So God is calling your future husband to use his authority so that his wife wins, so that your family wins, so that the kingdom of heaven wins. That's his role of authority. And that's a role that's easy to submit to. Because he is putting you and your family over himself. That's a man of God. If he's made Jesus his role model, if he serves Jesus, then he'll serve like Jesus. You have the power to choose wisely. Choose a man who serves Jesus. All right, guys, I'm going to pick on you guys. This is us. I I'm with you. I carry this responsibility. Ephesians 5.25, it says it very clearly. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how did Jesus express love for his people? He went to the cross. He sacrificed everything, holding nothing back in unconditional love for those who were not worthy of his sacrifice. So future husbands, I am challenging you to love your wife and to lead your wife in the same way that Jesus leads and loves his church. And that is with a total sacrifice, even if you don't feel in this moment she deserves it. You give it anyway. Total, unconditional love. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament back in Genesis? Joseph was always number two. He was never number one. He was number two in Potiphar's house. He was number two in prison. He was number two over all of Egypt. And yet he thrived wherever he was. If you step in to the mindset of a marriage where you're number one, you're just going to be selfish and controlling. But if you come in that you're number number two, that Jesus is the head of your home and you serve him, then it's going to change everything. The head of every man is Christ. Jesus is the head of your home. Your marriage is not about your wants. That's little boy thinking. You're now responsible for God's daughter, and you're now responsible for God's kids. The time for selfishness has passed. It's now time for sacrificial servant leadership. And you have two jobs. You have the job to initiate, and you have the job to sacrifice for the health of your family. So as the initiator, you never see yourself as superior. 
The purpose of a Christian man getting married isn't to get his way or live for himself. He is responsible to initiate the mission of God for his family and to create an atmosphere of health for his wife and his children to flourish in. That's our time. Okay, just for fun. I've got guys and girls in here. I'm going to talk to the girls for a minute. So, ladies, let's say you, you have this guy that you've been dating for a little while. He pulls up to your house in his car. You're about to take off together, right? Pretty standard scenario. And so you get into the car, and you might say, so what are we doing tonight? Now, let's put out two scenarios of how he could respond. He could respond on this hand. He could say, I don't know. What do you want to do? And you're sitting there like, uh, and then he says, uh, you're so indecisive. Real life. Or what if, on the other hand, you said, well, what are we going to do tonight? And he says, okay, so I've made reservations at two places. There's this one place, this seafood, that's right by this dock, and we can walk the dock. And I've set up our reservations so sunset lands 45 minutes after we get our food so we can walk the dock. Or, I also know you're kind of a fan of Italian. I've got this neat little hole-in-the-wall place I've been saving for a little while, and I've set this up. They know we're coming. Let me know who to cancel. Now, ladies, do you have a problem with him taking leadership here? No. Why? Why is this not a problem? Because he's like, I'm going to bless her socks off. I'm going to take a date that rocks. Guys, that's a silly little scenario, but you have to understand that you have to live for something greater than yourself. And then your role in saying, will you marry me, is you saying, I'm on a mission and I'm going somewhere. You want to come? Like every girl over here got a little excited by that. You're like, absolutely, I'm in. That's something that I can join, that I can party with, that I can, I can get on board with. You are called men to be on a mission for Christ in however he's called your life. And you have the opportunity to say, you want to come? It's going to be great. Your calling is to initiate in finances, in calendaring, Initiate in, in health in your marriage. Initiate in stoking physical intimacy. Initiate in emotional connectedness. Initiate in commitment. You do not fall out of love. You fall out of trying. Do I need to say that again? Men, I'm calling you up to fight when you don't feel like fighting. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, water your lawn. And most importantly, you're responsible for the spiritual health of your home. It's up to you to initiate prayer, to initiate Bible studies, to initiate being involved at church, to be initiate serving other people. Lead so your family can flourish spiritually. Remember that her submission is choosing to humbly submit under your leadership. So if your mission in life is yourself, what are you asking her to do? To make you her mission. How selfish is that? But to live for something greater than yourself. To live for Jesus and for his kingdom. That's a mission. 
It's going places way beyond your selfishness. If you don't have a purpose bigger than yourself, you're not ready for a real woman of God. You're just wanting a little girl to make you feel good about yourself. Second, you're called to sacrifice. To do whatever it takes for your family to thrive. To go the distance, to lay it on the line. And it's not your job to force her to submit. That's between her and Jesus. Your job is to lead and sacrifice in a way that's worthy of respect, whether she does or not. I've got a pro tip for you guys. I'm, this is like, this is, I'm throwing gold to you guys. This is so good. One of the ways that you can love her is to make her your number one advisor. Remember, she's saying, I'm submitting to the Lord by submitting to your leadership. Let her, whenever you have a decision to make, let her spaghetti with you all the different things and all the different angles and all the different emotions and thoughts and issues and everything that she'll spaghetti through so that you can see more angles of the decision than you would have. And then two things are going to happen. One, you're going to see stuff you didn't see before. Because remember, you're in a box. Your limitations are like this. And two, because she's had a chance to spaghetti out a solution with you, she's going to feel so much easier about taking that decision on with you. It brings her on board, and it helps you make better decisions. Make her your number one advisor. Personally, 99% of the time, uh, Jackie and I agree on decisions. When we've had a chance to, to bring our gifts to the table of how we work things out, we almost always come to the same solution. In those very rare times that I have to make a decision that she is not wanting me to make, two things happen. We celebrate when it turns out to be right, and I don't shame her. And I don't rub anything in her face, and she respects me even when my decision is wrong. She doesn't abandon me or abandon letting me lead. And that takes, that takes decisions on both sides. Like, all right, we're in this. We're in this together. So men, choose wisely. Choose a woman who's surrendered to Jesus, because if she's not going to be submitted to Jesus, she's not going to be willing to submit to your leadership. So sacrifice, initiate for her, and watch this energizing cycle gain ground. All right, to both sides, men and women, let each one of you, verse 33, love his wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. This doesn't leave any room for if-then decision-making. Like, okay, I'll love her if, when she respects me. That's not the way Jesus loves at all. Yet while we were still sinners, Jesus died. This doesn't leave room for, well, I'll respect him when or if he's loving. Someone has to break the cycle, and you only have responsibility for your actions. I'm going to say that again. Someone has to break the crazy cycle, and you are the only one who's responsible for your actions. Be willing to selflessly step up and begin spinning the wheel the other direction. Because the good news is it only takes one to begin to change the course. And I'll give you a, a real-life letter that was written in to the authors of the book that I'm pulling most of this from. This wife writes in and she says, We are still together because for the past few months... He's done exactly what you talked about at your conference. So obviously there was a conference that they attended together. 
He loved despite her, or that was his love regardless of her respect. He loved me when I was not lovable at all. And he held on to our marriage and his family when there was absolutely nothing to hold on to. This past October, I asked him to please leave the house. I wanted to be alone, and I just felt like I didn't love him anymore. Reluctantly, he left for a couple weeks. I knew that my life and the life of our daughters would drastically change with the divorce. I thought about the shared visitation and how we would also have to sell our home, but I didn't care. I just wanted out. Meanwhile, he prayed, studied marriage books and tapes, and made a decision to love me no matter what. The girls, our daughters, were really starting to miss him not being around, so we decided he would return home, quote-unquote, until further notice. Well, he would hold my hand every night and pray for me and for our marriage as I stared up at the ceiling, anxiously waiting for him to finish. He would leave little notes or a little flower in the bathroom mirror or in my car. So many little things he would do to show me that he loved me and wasn't going to let this marriage end easily. It just irritated me. I thought, can he understand I don't love him and that I don't want to be with him anymore? Why is he trying so hard? I didn't feel that quote-unquote in love feeling for him anymore. My needs weren't being met, so I wanted out. I'll spare you all the details, but eventually I broke. No woman in her right mind could let go of that much love and commitment. Now I'm very much in love with my husband. I learned that love isn't a feeling. It's a choice, a commitment. We didn't become a statistic because my husband chose to love me no matter what my reaction toward him would be. It's really humbling to look back and see how loving and patient he was with me and how he, only through the strength of Jesus Christ, saved our marriage. So to future wives, I challenge you to trust him, to believe in him, to submit to him, to support him, to join him. Because every day he's gonna be asking, are you proud of me? Do you trust me? And future husbands, give unconditional affection. Display your love extravagantly because every day she's asking, do you still choose me today? When our relationships reflect God's plan, we energize each other. I know when Jackie is willing to trust me, I want to run through a wall for her. I just want to bless her and love her so much. And maybe she feels the same way when I'm willing to love her. Now, this isn't a magic bullet. It doesn't fix everything. Both of you are going to walk with clay feet and make 100,000 mistakes. You're going to have your own hurts, your own habits, your own hangups. Every marriage is different. But I hope that, if you're, that you'll be willing to love and respect God's way? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to try God's commands? Are you willing to try it out? Because I want you to have the marriage you've always hoped for. So a recap, a woman's deepest need is love and a man's deepest need is respect. Love is expressed through sacrifice, respect through submission. When given, they create an energizing cycle, but withheld the crazy cycle. The good news is that it only takes one to break the crazy cycle and to begin to build unity again. And when both obey the Lord, it brings unity to the marriage and it shows the relationship between Jesus and his church. He sacrifices love. He sacrificed for us and we obey him. 
So I got two challenges. These are my last challenges of this series. And they're, they're almost all encompassing challenges. One is that you would study older couples with long-term marriages that have healthy marriages. I don't just mean couples that have been married a long time and they don't seem to like each other anymore and they're just independent from each other all the time and sleep in different bedrooms. I mean, those couples that you look at them and you're like, I want to be like that. They're two little old people that just loving hands and love being in each other's presence and they just think that the other person is amazing. Who are those old couples in your life? Begin to study them. Begin to, to ask in your mind, like, what is it? What's, what's separating them? What's setting them apart? I want what they have. And then two, where have you been lacking submission or sacrifice to Jesus? Your first love, your first life commitment. And I challenge you to begin to give love and respect to your Lord. So are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Are you willing to redefine love? Are you willing to embrace each other's differences? Are you willing to grow first before dating? Are you willing to date differently? Are you willing to, to discover instead of seek? Are you willing to have sex God's way? Are you willing to love and respect selflessly? Heavenly Father, I thank you that from the very beginning, you have designed marriage to be beautiful and intimate and powerful. I thank you, Lord, that, that healthy marriages are a means to an end so that you can have glory when people see that health. Lord, I pray that there, there are no divorce statistics in here, but you're planting seeds right now for men and women who are gonna fight, fight the good fight. Lord, give them wisdom as they filter, 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 filter. Lord, give them wisdom to wait until they've grown in you first before they even begin a romantic relationship with someone. Help them to remember that a romantic relationship either needs to push them towards Christ and make them more useful for the kingdom of heaven, or they don't need to be in it yet. Call to mind, Lord, the different truths of this series. I pray that some of them even go back and listen to the podcast and review these sermons from so many great books, from so many wise people. Lord, all this is for your glory. And I pray that we will, we will date for your glory, that people will marry for your glory, and they will live and raise children and, and exalt your name all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.